This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. I feel like every time I sit down to record this podcast specifically, it's like midweek and I'm feeling overwhelmed. I am feeling charged up with a lot of messages because I've spent a lot of time on social media and a lot of things are swirling and a lot of ideas are in my head and I'm feeling positively overwhelmed like every single week by just all of the noise, all the stuff going on. So I invite you, as I'm inviting myself, to take this time while we listen and, well, while I I speak, you listen to this episode of the podcast. I invite you to just block out the noise and just be here with me, okay? I know you might be multitasking, doing stuff, driving somewhere, in class, well, I guess you're not like in class. I don't know what you guys are doing right now because I know when I listen to podcasts, I'm often like cleaning or doing the dishes or something. But just let my words, let the stories of today just really hit you where you need it, okay? Because I have some good stuff to talk about. I also have some just stressful things that I'm going through that I'm working through and I want to just talk through it all with you guys today. So that is what we're going to do today. I actually don't even know what I'm going to title this episode, to be honest with you, because there's a lot of different stuff I want to talk about, but just a lot of good old-fashioned me blabbing on because I have a lot of thoughts. I was typing away in my notes section last night before I went to bed, and I think I came up with some good stuff, I got to say. I mean, maybe it was me being sleep deprived, (laughs) reading it and thinking, wow, this is good. Or maybe it is good. Who knows? So let's just get into it. Let me start off with the phrase or the sentiment that really inspired everything that's going to come after this. Like (laughs) everything in this episode that I will be talking about kind of stemmed from this one quote. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will become the sacrifice. 
So I initially saw this on Instagram. Someone had reposted it. And I, I believe it was Julia Havens. I love following her. She's really great. One of those people that I really admire on Instagram and on YouTube. She had like reposted it, I think. I'm pretty sure. I just jotted it down in my notes as soon as I saw it because I'm like, wait, that's something. You ever read a quote and you're like, wait, there's something there. I need to like repeat it to myself multiple times because this, it really just something kind of sparks in your brain. You're like, this is something. I'm going to say it one more time. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, so if you don't make sacrifices for that goal, for that dream, what you want, that thing that you want, that dream will become the sacrifice. Like that is huge. Sacrifice makes dreams happen. It's like in Sex and the City when Carrie said when she initially moved to New York that she would often buy Vogue instead of dinner because she thought that it fed her more, not promoting not eating dinner, obviously, but that kind of is like a metaphor of sorts for choosing the things that feed you even if they aren't typically what feeds others, you know, or it's something that's very unique to you and what your dream is. So I read that quote and really just let it wash over me. And I was thinking about the sacrifices that I've made in my young life. Obviously, I'm only 26, turning 27 this year. So I have limited experience. I'm still in my 20s. I hope to accomplish so, so, so much more before I'm done here. But in my limited experience thus far, you know, I'm sitting here as a business owner today and I got here, small business owner working for myself through sacrifice. Like for much of my early career on the internet, just making YouTube videos when I was in my teens People thought I was bizarre. They thought I was weird. They thought I was an oversharer. I was talking to people on the internet. And back then, it was very strange to do so, okay, in 2009. But it's also strange now to some people. Some people think that talking to, you know, strangers, you're trying to be be an influencer or whatever, it's a weird thing because it's just not the norm even though if you're in this space, it does seem like a very normal thing now just to go on your you know, TikTok or Instagram and address your followers like they're your friends. That's become kind of a normalized idea. But still, I've had friends come to me and say like people are ripping them apart because they think they're trying to become an influencer. And that's like the worst thing in the world, I guess. <laughs> like You've probably been there when you think, I want to post this, but I'm not sure if I'm trying too hard with this. Like I'm afraid to post this on my... My friends will be like, They'll post a story and then delete it because they feel that they're being too showy or too oversharing. And I'm like, can't relate. I do that every day. But that's like a sacrifice I've made is just my coolness factor. When I was growing up, people thought I was, you know, insane for doing this thing that just really it fueled me. It was my dream. Okay. I wanted to make friends on the internet. That was my first dream. And now it's blossomed into a business. I didn't think it was going to at the time. At the time, I just wanted connection. I really sought connection with people that were similar to me. And I didn't think I could find that in my high school. And I was right. Now I have so many friends that I've made from the internet. So that was one sacrifice I've made that paid off. Another was when I was working my corporate job and I ended up working basically 15 hour days because I was doing my day job working for other people. And then I would go home and be up all night recording stuff, filming things, planning videos until like midnight for my other job for myself. So I would do that. And I did that for quite some time, like in almost two years, 
until I was ready to take the leap and do it on my own. Like I knew that I wanted my end game or my short-term end game was to become a freelancer. I wanted to make my own hours and set my own schedule and have my own business that was mine. And that was a, a huge goal. I think it's not everyone's goal, but it's quite a few people's goal. And it's one of those things where you have, you can't just wake up one day and I guess you can, but it's not totally feasible to just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to cut ties with my corporate job and just do this full time. It's one of those things where I've discussed this on the podcast a bunch that I had to really set up a plan, create a safety net for myself just in case financially, all the things that aren't extremely glamorous and creative and exciting, it's like the numbers, the things that I didn't want to think about, I had to think about because it was my dream. I had to sacrifice a lot of things. Sleep. I oftentimes on the weekends during this period of time, I wasn't really having like fun times with my friends. I was filming videos and doing stuff that I knew I needed to do in order for this to become my reality. And it was sacrifice that got me here. So I know that it's true that you have to sacrifice for the things you want. And I'm not even saying that I'm the ultimate sacrificer, if that's even a a word, but I do know what it feels like to do it. And a lot of the craziest people, and I'm saying craziest in air quotes, you can't see me, but a lot of the craziest people, people that have sacrificed their reputations, their money, their time, their coolness factors to huge, huge degrees have been the change makers in our world, the ones who make things that ultimately become the norm. Like so many things that are normal right now, something that everyone experiences and does and buys and acts like, like fashion trends, a lot of stuff like that, at one point was weird, okay? At one point, it wasn't the norm, but someone decided that they wanted it to be, and so then it became it after obviously some time. So before things are normal, they are bizarre. They are weird. They're unthinkable. And that's just how it works. But oftentimes we don't really think about it like that. We think, oh, this normal thing has always been like this. And we forget. And that's why history is really important. That's why I love telling stories on here and reading a lot and like trying to figure out how life used to be because that gives you a really awesome picture of how things have transformed about those people that have really had a hand in it. Like they're the reason for it. Today, I want to tell you guys two stories. The first one is about a woman named Sarah Good. In 1885, Sarah became the first black woman to receive a U.S. patent, signing the application with her full name and signature. It was patent number 32217. Sarah was born in Toledo, Ohio as a slave, the second of seven children. She gained freedom at the end of the Civil War, and afterwards, she moved to Chicago. It was here where she met her husband, and they decided to save up their pennies and open a furniture shop. Most Black families living in Chicago during the 1880s didn't buy a lot of furniture because they often lived in very small homes and apartments, and Sarah understood this. She saw a need, a gap in the market. She got to work imagining innovative space-saving solutions for these families. And so Sarah designed what she called the cabinet bed. It was a bed that could easily fold into a functioning desk when needed, and she described the design as a folding bed whose hinged sections easily raised or lowered. 
Sarah sacrificed many things for her invention. After all, she was a black woman in the 1880s and was seeking ownership of an idea in a white male-dominated world. But her invention led to many more like it, the Murphy bed being one I can think of off the top of my head, but she also inspired so many people. After her death, there was a school named after her in Chicago. The Sarah E. Good STEM Academy is an institution that gives exposure to gifted students in math and in science. Sarah took ownership of her idea. She sacrificed her reputation, her business, her well-being to take ownership of her idea, filing that patent and being the first black woman to successfully file a patent, receive the patent with her name, signed, sealed, delivered. Like that is just so inspiring to me. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will become the sacrifice. She wanted this solution for people that were like her. She wanted this solution for, you know, she had this idea. She made it happen. They, you know, her and her husband saved up for this furniture shop. There's so many things that she sacrificed in order to obtain this dream. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So that's just one story I wanted to share. There's one more. Vera Wang, who you might know now as a famous designer who specializes in wedding dresses, Vera Wang failed to make the U.S. Olympic figure skating team in 1986. Yes, you heard me right. That was her dream in 1986. She went on to obviously be this famous designer, but at the time, she wanted to be a famous figure skater. Talk about a career change. So understandably, she was gutted when she didn't make the team, but she decided to keep moving on and pursue a different dream. When she graduated from college, she began working at Vogue 
And within a year, at just 23, Vera was promoted to senior fashion editor. From there, she got an editorial job at Vogue and then stayed there for 17 years. But just as she thought her dream was finally coming true, like talk about a do-over, her hard work was paying off, she was snubbed. She was passed on yet again, first by the figure skating team and now by Vogue, for the coveted editor-in-chief position that she felt she really deserved for being there for like 17 years and working her butt off being the youngest editor at 23. Like she worked very hard and was snubbed. And guess who the position went to? Anna Wintour, of course. So after that, Vera left the world of publications and switched gears completely once again to work as an accessories design director at Ralph Lauren for the next 15 years. But she knew there was one last thing she had to pursue. This just wasn't cutting it for her. Another 15 years doing something else that she just was not, I don't know if she was like not passionate about it maybe, but she knew there was something else, right? She wanted to go off on her own, but she likely thought about how that would look. After all, she was 40, which was positively ancient by the industry's standards, especially at the time. She was at a crossroads. Does she throw in the towel, you know, maybe stay put or put herself back in the ring one more time? Vera was in the process of planning her wedding at the time and realized she couldn't find any dresses that really suited her and her taste. She wanted something modern, but also classic. And so she realized, why don't I just do it myself and make enough to go around, create my own label? Even though she had no prior experience in the wedding market at all, Vera Wang designed her very first dress at age 40. Today, she's a prominent designer in the business with a multi-billion dollar industry. She's known for her classic wedding dress designs blended with luxury and a dash of edginess. Mariah Carey, Victoria Beckham, Hilary Duff, Alicia Keys, Ariana Grande, Hailey Bieber, Carrie Bradshaw, the list of A-listers that she has dressed goes on and on and on. But now she's expanded her brand to include ready-to-wear designs, home, jewelry, fragrance, eyewear, and she even has a limited edition vodka brand. Today, Vera is 72 And at the 2021 Met Gala, she not only dressed Emily Ratajkowski and Amanda Gorman, but she also wore a floor-length black and ivory bandeau top cut away at the front to reveal a pair of silk boxer trunks, thigh-high stockings, and towering heels. This was described by Harper's Bazaar. She is not only a creative genius, but her outfit at 72 says very loud and clear, age is just a number. After all, she designed her very first dress at the age of 40, and now she's a huge name in the business. Like at 26, which is where I'm sitting right now, Vera was at Vogue, hoping she'd be editor-in-chief someday, probably still reeling over the fact that she's not a professional figure skater. Like she was in a completely different frame of mind when she was 26 versus 40 and now 72. So Vera sacrificed a lot of things to get there. She headed into totally uncharted territory, an industry she knew next to nothing about, but she knew there was a need. Like Sarah, she knew there was a need, and the need trumped what was, quote, normal or right for a woman of her age. 
Many people think it's now or never. If if you're going to do something great and substantial, it's got to be in your 20s or maybe your 30s, but your 40s? Vera said, watch me. (laughs) Her inexperience in bridal, which was definitely seen as a naive and foolish thing at the time, actually meant a totally different thing. It meant that she had fresh perspective on the industry. She wasn't stuck in the muddy norm a stick in the mud of like, this is how it's been. This is how things have been successful. Like, I think a lot of people get very focused on how things have been done in the past and how things are being done by people around you because there is success in that. There's like guaranteed success in that. It's like, okay, make a white dress and someone will wear it. Like, but Vera has like, she, if you see her designs, if you see, like, I almost know immediately, I'm also like definitely not in the wedding space and not getting married anytime soon. But whenever I see a celebrity, celebrity wedding dress and it looks a certain way, I just know it's Vera Wang. So anyway, sometimes things that feel like the biggest obstacle, like the thing that prevents you from even taking the leap sometimes, like a huge glaring thing where you're like, this is the reason I can't do this. So in Vera's case, her one, her lack of experience, maybe her age, it could actually be your biggest saving grace. And Vera's story is just, it's very, very inspiring to me. I want to read this quote that she gave at the Met Gala in 2021, which was also included in that Harper's piece that I mentioned. She said, I like to think that we really gave women permission to experiment and to be free. So she's saying this about her brand. We showed women that they didn't have to conform or dress a certain way. We really encouraged diversity. If I go down for anything, that's what I'd like to be remembered for. In a traditional business, we broke every rule. Especially in the world of weddings, I'm seen as a quiet renegade. Okay, maybe not so quiet. Just love that. I love that quote. So these are just two stories that I read recently and felt really drawn to. I'm basically reading a new story every day, like a new person I find on Reddit and I'm like, wait, that's something. So these women are just, they're so inspiring and their stories, although in different time periods, they're very similar in the regard of sacrifice, in the regard of Like they didn't have to do this. They didn't have to, but something that that fire in their belly told them that they did. It's like you don't, a lot of the the great inventors and people that have really done something like substantial that everyone feels the ripple effect of, they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to do that. They could have just carried on and been like just a normal fish in the sea but there was something that, that that told them that there is a need. Like they both recognized a need And it was something that they experienced firsthand. They experienced this gap in the market. You know, Sarah wanted space solutions for women like her in black households in Chicago. And Vera wanted a wedding dress that wasn't just too predictable. She wanted something with a bit of edge. And both of them were like, okay, I want this to happen. So let me make it myself. And it took a lot of sacrifice. It's not just a decision where you wake up one morning and you're like, I'm just going to do this myself. It took sacrifice for each of them to get what they wanted, but they both did. So these are just two stories. Like I said, there's, I mean, there's a million, but I just wanted to share that at the top of the episode. Both Sarah and Vera, that's funny how they rhyme. Sarah and Vera, they're both change makers. They're both women of color 
who did something they didn't have to do, but they felt that they needed to. You know, they didn't have to by society's standards, but they needed to, to satisfy that fire in their bellies. And they made it happen. And that's why these stories are so inspiring to read about, like so motivating. And, you know, but if you're anything like me, sometimes stories like these make me feel a different sort of way. They make me feel less like that's amazing and I can achieve this and more so like I feel like a failure in comparison. You know, they make me feel like I might be wasting my time living how I'm living now and I should be doing something different. You know, I should be doing something new and really hit whatever it is that I do out of the park right away. Like I should like pivot immediately. But I think that's me kind of skimming over the details a bit too quickly because obviously with Vera's story specifically, like she was at Vogue for like 17 years, then at Ralph Lauren for 15 years. That's a lot of time for her to figure out what that thing was that she wanted and needed to do, right? That's a lot of time. And I think a lot of us think that in terms of our lives and our success, Rome can be built in a day and it just can't. But I know we've all been told that success is not linear. It's kind of a mess sometimes before it's good. You have to plant the seed long before you get to eat the fruit, that whole thing. But sometimes it's just hard to wrap my head around that, even though I know it's true. Like I know it's true and so many people have told me this, but I still feel like maybe I can find a way for it to not be true. You know, we've all been told these things, but because we're an instant gratification loving society, we feel that there must be another way. Like we have fast forward buttons on our freaking remotes and we can skip to the last page of a book that we're reading if we want to. Like we have the luxury of being able to skip around in many mediums except for our lives. Like with our lives and our dreams, we can't predict the last page or the last scene or the scene where things get really good. We can't predict when it's all going to happen, when all the pieces are going to fall into place, if they ever will. And you feel all that success, whatever that looks like for you, pour over you. It seems like it'll never happen sometimes. Like last night I was laying in bed thinking about it. I'm like, what if I'm doing all this work, working towards this success that I want? But what if I never get there and like what it where is my end where is the end is there ever an end or do we just work every day till we die like <laughs> is there what am i working towards what does success even look like for me right like we get we spiral sometimes when we think about this or we get overwhelmed with all the different possibilities all the tasks involved in doing something big and we're so stressed out about the concept of starting something new that we just do nothing instead. Like I can't be the only one who feels overwhelmed sometimes by all of my responsibilities. So I just like do none of them because I'm so overwhelmed that I can't even do one of them. <laughs> like I've been there. I've been thinking, is this feeling, this struggle, us having these big dreams that some of us can't even name, but we know that it's a dream. We know that we like all these things and we want this to be our job or we want this to be our future. And it doesn't have to be just work. It can be the life that you see for yourself, the family that you see for yourself, the place, your home. I don't know. Like that dream, that thing that you want to just wrap your hands around and have, 
is it is it us having big dreams or is it us feeling pressured by other people's success wanting what they have and not being able to feel content with what we do have is that's is it that that is causing the stress and not the stress of the huge dream but the stress of other people on our peripheral like in our playing field and we're worried about what they're doing all the time so we feel like we have to inflate our dreams even bigger and bigger and bigger and do it quicker and quicker and quicker because of other people. It's very hard to differentiate sometimes. Like what is causing the stress? Because we do have time, you know, we do have time, but why does society why does society trick us into thinking we don't have time? Right? There's this quote from this book that you might have read It's also a movie. It's called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Very good movie. Very good book. Um, And I think about this quote all the time. I think I've mentioned it a few times in the podcast in the past, but it's sometimes I can hear my bones straining under the weight of all of the lives I'm not living. And I, I think about this so, so often. I know it's a real privilege to have so many choices and I recognize that and I'm grateful, but sometimes it can feel like the worst thing ever, an overwhelming, like heavy thing to carry, just knowing that I could be living my life in a number of different ways. There's so many different ways I could be living my life and I'm choosing this path right now, but is it the right one? Like, would I be happier if I was doing something else, if I was living somewhere else, if I was dating someone else, friends with someone else? And so, when we are dealing with that sort of stress, we try to just do it all. We try to spice up everything because who knows if like I'd be happier doing this and we try to make new friends and new relationships and take on new tasks and side projects and hobbies and we pack so many things onto our plates in the process and they just crack and we're really in the process of doing all of that, not really living at all. We're just suffocating. We're not living. And that's how I feel all the time. Like, do you ever feel like that? I asked you guys over on Instagram. I did a little poll last night or a questions box. What is the first thing you think of when you hear the word success? Because that's kind of what all of this is about. Like this whole conversation is about success And I asked you guys, what is the first thing you think of when you hear that word? And here is what you guys said. So a lot of people, you guys were super honest and I appreciate it, said money, rich, wealth, financial comfort, satisfaction, people knowing your name, power, happiness, settled in a career, good relationships, Sadly, money. A lot of you guys said money. I mean, hey, that's what I think of too a lot of the times. Like success looks different depending on what area of your life it's in, I think. But a lot of people think that money equals success equals happiness. Even if we know that – even if we hear all the cute, pretty quotes that tell us otherwise, we know that life is more comfortable when you have money. Like, it, okay, it's it's not rocket science. Yeah, there's degrees of it. And if you have money only – You're not going to feel balanced, stability, approval. And someone said, immediately I feel stressed because I don't know what I consider success. And that is hugely relatable because when you take away the obvious, like money, I don't know, power, 
people knowing your name, what's left? Like what is that moment that you, is it a moment even where you sit there with yourself and you're like, wow, I am successful? Like when does that happen? Does it happen? Or do we just get old one day and we're like, wait a second, I was successful all along and I didn't even know it. Because I feel successful right now. I know I'm, I definitely have goals and things I want to do to make my life the way that I see it being. Like I have goals for myself and what I want to achieve. But I, I look at my life right now, sitting here reflecting, because we hardly have time to do that. I look at my life and I feel successful because I have a network of amazing friends, people I work alongside that maybe aren't my coworkers, my collaborators. I feel like I have a network of people. I feel very warm with that. Like it's a warm feeling where I know that I'm surrounded by people that that respect me, that understand me. I've cut out the people in my life that don't understand me, the people that don't build me up and I don't build them up. Like it's a mutual thing. I feel very successful because I am loved and because I do, I love also. Like I feel like it's a mutual thing, like I said. And I feel successful because of that. But I think a lot of people glaze over that, myself included, when I think of the bigger fish there are to fry, the bigger things that I can achieve, like walking down the street and people know who I am, or I post a seemingly very mundane thing on TikTok and people are obsessed with me. Like that is what a lot of people consider success, like being known by the masses. And I guess I might be the wrong person to say this because I am, I do have a presence online, but I think the most important people to have in my life. Like I could have all those people on the internet, but if I don't have secure friendships and relationships and have that, I don't feel successful because it's not necessarily what I've always thought, that it's like strength in numbers because numbers bring you places, that's for sure. But at the end of the day, are those people really going to be there for me? Not necessarily. Like it's, I think I've gotten to a really great point with my relationships where I do feel successful. And I am lucky to have the financial security to be on my own right now. And that, I think a lot of that, a lot of my financial security, a lot of my success in terms of money that I've earned for myself is because of my relationships. I would not feel capable enough without the support of people that I love and that love me. And that's huge. And we often forget about it. We think that we can do it alone. We don't need other people. I've definitely been one. Like even my friends who, you know, they they build me up. They they give me encouragement and my parents, my, my sister, things like that. But I've also leaned in on other creators, other people that I think at one point in time I viewed as my competition because a lot of times I really stuck to my own with the internet, with creating things because I didn't want to let other people in to like – because I, I often just I feel this competitive edge sometimes with other influencers and graphic designers and content creators of any sort. Like I feel like there's this competition edge or like I need them to like me because that's the business. But I think I've gotten to a point now where I'm very comfortable with these people and I know that – I mean there's this other quote that I hear often. It's like their success is not my failure. Anyone in the space that I'm in – in the content creation, creative, graphic design, influencing all of that, podcasting, YouTube, like that whole space, anyone who succeeds in this space is helping me in a way. 
is helping them, obviously, like they're doing great, happy for them, but it's also helping everyone else who does the same thing because like the influencer industry, just taking that piece for a second, the influencer industry has skyrocketed in recent years. And it's not just because of me, like it's because of all of us. It's because of everybody involved. It's because of all those people that aren't at the forefront, who aren't filming themselves. It's the people that believe in us, the people that are filming themselves, like they believe. It's the people like my friend Colby who works in influencer marketing, who pitches campaigns. It's people that we don't even know the name of, that don't have those household names and aren't famous on TikTok. It's it's a joint effort towards success. And we've all made sacrifices in our own way. And it's just like, it's really awesome when you just sit and think about it. Because like I said, we don't really have time to sit and think about what has gotten us here and think about the fact that we are successful right here, right now. Yeah, we have goals and that's awesome. That gets us towards growth. We're going to do some uncomfortable things over the next decades or so of our lives to get us to even crazier heights. But we can't forget, we can't lose sight of what we do have right now. Not only like the things like our relationships and the love that we have and the security and those those things, but also the skills that we have. I think a lot of times we focus on what we're not good at or those things that we need to be good at in order to succeed. And like we forget about all the things that we are good at right now, like all of our skills, all the things that make us that have gotten us to where we are now. For me, I often see myself as like, I'm, you know, I have this stuff that I'm good at, but there's always something else and I need to stay ahead of it. And I'm scared of the day when I'm like my, I mean, love my mom to death, but she like doesn't really understand social media and technology. She's a school nurse, like she, a school nurse coordinator, like whatever, she does really amazing things in that and like healthcare, but She doesn't understand social media and I worry about the time when like maybe things will be too sped up for me to even wrap my head around. I'm scared of that. I'm scared of the future because I'm afraid of not being good at this whole thing because that's the only thing I have. Well, that's what I convince myself because obviously I have a million things. I'm very skilled in what I'm doing and I think by diversifying too much – by convincing myself I need to learn how to do all these other things and do all these other things that other people are doing, even if it's working for them, I forget about all the things that I that have gotten me here that I'm good at. I'm good at storytelling. I'm good at, you know, coming up with creative ways to to portray something. And I've been doing that on YouTube forever. So why do I feel like I need to settle into the the trends? Because that is how, I mean, that's how TikTok is kind of, has been built. It's built off of trends and following trends. And the change makers, change makers, the people that have really spiced things up on that platform are obviously killing it and growing, but it kind of freaks me out when I see that sometimes because I'm like, how did they, how do they think to do that? Like, how did they do that? And how can I do that? And obviously it's all about mixing your skill and doing those things that you're good at and not losing sight of those things, but also slowly adding new things and diversifying, but not all at once and not convincing yourself you need to be an overnight success in it. It's finding the balance and that is really hard for me to do. It's very hard. It's very hard, but there, I think what works best for me is in terms of my, you know, we, we settle, we not settle, we decide, we realize that we have 
a ton of success under our belts already. We recognize that first. We let ourselves feel grateful. We let ourselves feel proud of ourselves. And then we make some action items that are doable for us. And last night when I was thinking of all this and just becoming so overwhelmed with my thoughts, I wrote down a few things, like a few things that I'm going to put into motion right now that are digestible, like they are, they're not going to stress me out more. If anything, it's going to relieve a lot of stress to do these things and they'll get me closer to that, the goals that I have. Because I don't want to say success because like I, I feel like that word is one of those things where when you say it too many times, like what does it even mean? I want to feel that, like people said in, in the response, like I want to feel that security and I want to feel proud of myself. That's the ultimate goal. I want to wake up each morning and feel proud of the woman that I am. And these are the things that I think will get me to that. And, you know, I'm already there. I'm already proud of myself, but I think I can just continue to find more ways every day to be proud of myself. And I think that that's what gets, what keeps you going, honestly. Like if you feel like you're kind of in a rut right now or feel like you're kind of at a standstill and you don't know what's going on and you feel overwhelmed by the world, finding reasons to be proud of yourself every day is is the it's just the thing that keeps you going it is like I remember reading somewhere someone was like you just need to if you're feeling stressed like look at your calendar look at all the things that you have upcoming like the exciting things you're going to do this summer and like think like especially when the winter blues are getting to you like think of all the amazing fun beautiful things you're going to experience in the next the next season and the one after that and it's almost kind of the equivalent of that. It's like you have to find those sweet things that you are so proud of yourself for and that you haven't even done yet, but you're going to be proud of yourself for them. Like that's what you have to set your sights on. So I have four things that I'm going to do to make myself even more proud of myself, okay? Number one, I'm going to treat myself, my body, my mind with care, I'm going to move my body. I'm going to eat good things. I'm going to drink water and not feel guilty about the time that I'm putting into these things or the cost at some points. Like, yeah, it gets expensive to have a trainer, and but I know it works for me. Like there's certain things that I, I'm going to justify because it makes me a well-fueled human being. I'm going to fuel myself even if that means stepping away from my work to do so. I've gotten into the habit with my trainer of like putting my phone on silent. If I get a text that comes in or something, like I'm not going to feel stressed about it in that hour of time because I actually saw this video that Amanda Klutz, she's a fitness, she's a lot of things. She's just an amazing woman. You need to follow her on Instagram. But she said in this like soundbite, she was like, exercise, moving your body is not a chore. It's a privilege. Like it's a privilege to have the means to be able to move my body like in terms of my health and in order like that time that I'm doing that that I am you know making myself a healthy meal or doing something like that is not time wasted it's not time where I should be self-loathing and hating myself for doing it I think if you find the right ways to do these things if you find the right workouts and ways to move your body that you actually like doing it's possible okay for a while I thought all exercise was like torture but it is possible to find something that you really love. Like my trainer, I love working out with her. Yeah, it definitely is pricey, but it's worth it for me because I know that I've so much money has gone down the drain in the past with me just having expensive gym memberships that I never use and things like that. 
like buying all this random equipment for my house that I never use. So having her is honestly, it's a good allocation of resources, okay? And I know that I'm going to, like I love it and so it's worth it, okay? It's worth it. So that's the first thing I'm gonna treat myself, my body, my mind with care. I'm going to seek therapy when I need it, things like that. Or even if I don't need it, because that's the whole beauty of therapy. Number two, in my work, I'm going to make small, continual improvements to my methods each day that will make it easier for me. I'm going to give up on the idea of overnight success and that I need to absolutely beat up myself in the process of getting things done. There's going to be a time like at, you know, during the day where I get to the point where I'm not creative anymore, okay? There's a time at nighttime sometimes where I'm like, I literally, I have so many things I could be doing right now, but I just can't. Like my my brain needs a break. I need to just watch trash TV. And I, it's not something that is any less productive than me doing work because the time when you're off is, it is productive. It is. Like when you're taking a vacation, really take a vacation. Like I, and in the grain of like small continual improvements to my methods, it's like I need to maybe like there's certain things I need to take notes on that I like remember my processes for things so they go smoothly next time in terms of like invoicing clients. And there's just like little things in my, my you know, specific career that I need to just small little things I need to improve on. Like I, yesterday, this is what I did. You guys are going to laugh. I'm so bad at like finances. That's why I have a lovely accountant that helps me. But on my Bank of America, I, I, it's my bank. Like I just got a new business account finally. I don't know what's taking me so long. It's just like one of those things I just didn't have time to set up. But set up my business account and I did this thing where I renamed my – you know how like they give you like the last four digits of each card or of your account and like it's so confusing when you're moving money around or, you know, sending money to people. It's like which account – like which account even is this? It's like four numbers. Like I don't even know which one this is. On Bank of America, you can nickname your accounts – so I like nicknamed it like business savings, business checking, personal savings, per- like those things. I just did that. It took me like five seconds and now it's going to simplify every other day of my life. So it's just having the discipline to make those small little changes, like little little improvements, small little improvements to your daily life. Like if that even means just setting a timer for 20 minutes and cleaning up your space before you start working every day, like having t- like small little things that will ultimately clear your mind and make it easier for you to do your day-to-day. Like those are the things I'm going to do. Number three, I'm going to, this is a huge one for me, I'm going to relinquish a bit of control and ask for help. There are times where I, I mean, I've talked about this on the last like two episodes, I feel like when I pile way too much on my plate because I can do it. But just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do it. If it means that I can focus on those things that I've discussed that I'm I'm really good at. There are some things I'm really good at. And by beating myself up over the things I'm not good at and convincing myself I just need to know how to do it all, that is actually counterproductive. Because if I can hire someone to help me with my bookkeeping, which I've done, if I can hire someone to handle a bit of the editing work for videos that I'm doing for clients, like that is huge because that lets me get back to the creative side of things, which is which is where I thrive. So asking for help, I'm going to accept also that when I'm bringing people on to help me, there will be a learning curve. 
I often, you know, have hired people to help me with things and I get really frustrated when they can't do the work like I do in the way that I do it. Everyone has their own way of doing things. Even if you teach someone, like there are just going to be differences and it's a learning curve. Like I've had this, I had this one client where I was doing social media work for them and it was just really, really tricky at the beginning. Like I felt like they didn't understand my method of creating posts for them and it felt like every time they texted me it was like a crushing failure of like I'm so annoyed that they don't understand me or like they don't understand that I'm this is like good for them they don't get what performs like it I I tended to like turn to anger and frustration instead of realizing that things will get better I just need to ask more questions and double check and then you know it turned out like a few months into this relationship with this client it became second nature. The learning curve was through and the critiques were less and less and less every week. And I realized, wow, that's like a real good learning lesson for me. I thought in the beginning, I was like, this is going to be horrible. This is going to suck like every day. But after a few months, I realized I started to learn their habits, learn how they operated, learn what they liked, what they didn't like. And the same goes for me as a manager. If I'm going to hire people to help me with my business or ask friends of mine to just give me a hand and take some pictures of me or whatever, I have to realize there's going to be a learning curve and that is okay. It's okay if things are not perfect at first because they rarely ever are. They actually really aren't ever. So those are some things I'm going to remember too. And the last one, which is not just business, this is everything. I'm going to focus less on being liked, okay? I can't please everyone. I can't. I've really tried. I really think I've also done a good job of it. <laughs> like, but in the process of pleasing everyone, I have kind of given up control of myself, like power over myself, which like, you know, I've given up my choices. I've given up my sleep and my well-being. I've given up on myself in the process of pleasing everyone. And it, it's almost like I just want, I want to be able to do it all. Like I People ask me like, can you come to this thing? Or like, let's go get lunch. And like, I I cannot do it. And I feel so guilty when I say no, that I can't. It's like, I feel that they're going to talk. I think it's it's a lot of trauma from just my youth of being bullied in high school and having having bad friends. Okay, I've had bad friends in my life. I've luckily gotten to a point now where I have, I'm surrounded by amazing people. But there's been times in my life where I've had horrible friends, really bad friendships where people I was afraid that if I wasn't with them all the time, they'd be talking about me. Like if I wasn't with, I knew for a fact, if I wasn't with them, like if I didn't make time to always be doing what they're doing, I know for a fact they're going to be talking about me behind my back. And I think that stress has carried into my business life. Like I feel with even clients, like if I don't, if I'm not able to provide something in the time that they, or when they need it, like, and it wasn't discussed beforehand, like it's not even a deadline. It's like they decide, oh, I need this like right now. I feel if I can't do it, if I say that I can't, it either A, signals that I'm not capable, which I'm also afraid of, or B, they're going to talk about me and they're going to fire me. And, and then I realized recently, what's the, I mean, this also comes from a place of privilege, but like, what's the worst thing? If they fire me, whatever, we weren't compatible. You know, I'm, I know I'm a hard worker and I know that I've helped them and that I can help them continually into the future. But if they decide that they need someone who can provide this thing in 10 minutes for them like maybe they can find someone else and maybe they won't <laughs> maybe like it will be okay I have to 
communicate well with these people that I, you know, in my business life and in my personal life, my friends know that there are sometimes some dinners I can't go to because I'm working or I can I can't go because I'm getting dinner with someone else. Like that's just an example. But in those friendships, I feel that I'm not going to be any less of a a member of the friendship, friend group, if I don't go to one dinner, okay? Like I know that there's going to be more and I know that they're not going to be talking about me if I'm not there. And that is security in my friendships, which like I said earlier, is definitely a huge success that I've made. So I'm going to focus less on being liked. I can't please everyone. I can't go to everything. I can't be everything for everyone. It's going to be okay. I can't think like, oh, what are they going to say? What are they going to say about me? What are they going to, are they going to fire me? I have to set reasonable expectations and not be such a yes man. Like, yes, I'll be there. Oh my God. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. And this is so much easier said than done. I'm really bad because I guess it's, it kind of goes back to like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like just because you can break your back and do everything and go to every single event in a day and then also go home and podcast and make a YouTube video and then like just because I can maybe doesn't mean I should because that's not a healthy habit that I'm setting for myself because yeah, I'm 26 now, but there's going to be a time when I'm 36 and 46 and have other responsibilities, maybe a family, maybe other things and I need to know how to say no now because it'll help me in the future. So... Anyway, those are just some things I'm putting into motion right now to get me closer to that success or whatever the heck that is. I mean, clearly we've all seen and what I was saying earlier, all those responses to my story that does anyone really know what success is or does success look the same to everyone? No, it doesn't. It doesn't look the same to everyone. And that is why we just have to, like I said, look towards those things that make you feel proud of yourself because that pride in yourself, that is a feeling that I know exists, that I know what it feels like. And it's addictive. It's like you want to do more things that make yourself proud of yourself. And a lot of it is is trial and error because there are things that I think I'm going to feel proud of and I feel the opposite. So it's about knowing those things, knowing those settings that you feel most proud, like those people, those relationships that you're in, that you feel just that feeling of like, yes, this is it. Chase more opportunities where that is how you feel. Like that is what I want more of. And I think by doing these things that I just listed, like that's going to get me, get me experiencing that more often. Setting boundaries with myself, treating myself with care at the end of the day. Like that's kind of the big thing. Anyway, guys, that is my episode today on sacrifice and success and like all of these really interesting thoughts that have been in my head. And two really awesome stories about women who really changed their industry. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>